Welcome to the Mac PFD Sparkle podcast. This is Ruth Chen, and in the Sparkle subseries, we'll bring you shorter segments released in between our longer Spark episodes. We'll have new and exciting interviews with professionals from across the world, helping you to achieve your personal and professional goals as a healthcare educator, researcher, leader, or practitioner at any stage of your career. So sit back, listen, and enjoy this episode of the Mac PFD Sparkle Podcast. Today, we'll be listening to a syndication of the Program for Faculty Development's Women's Chat Series. In this episode, Dr. Rebecca Ripa discusses with McMaster's Sarah Law promoting women colleagues through mentorship and sponsorship. In this chat, we also hear about the benefits of making oneself an ally to women to create a fairer and more equitable workplace. All right. Hello, everyone. I am here with Sarah Lal. She's been on the show before, but we have a very special project we'd like to let you in on. I think we were both just excited about connecting and got in a back and forth chat one night. And it's very fitting. There was a back and forth chat, actually, because we came up with this idea of something called the Conversations in Healthcare, Academia and Teaching. So a chat series. And we've just piloted one of our chats. And what we're trying to do is actually make it count twice. So the idea would be that we've run this event. And as you know, sometimes we'll be syndicating some of our content on the podcast, but we intentionally built in the podcast part for this chat. And what we're hoping to do is like have conversations with people and really just facilitate chatter and chatting with each other. Because I think right now, especially during the pandemic, it's been really hard to connect. And we wanted to create that space, even if it was digitally, for people to be able to do that. And so the format of these chats, you'll see, hopefully, that there have been a couple, actually quite a few by the time you listen to this track. But the idea is that we're inviting a bit of a keynote speaker to come and give us an overview of a concept. And then we're going to breakout rooms with some key ideas and really just letting people talk to each other. And then we're coming back together again. And the first chat series, we decided to focus on women in academia because recently there's been some high profile, I guess, reports that have highlighted a couple of key differences and in gender inequity within, let's say, the Ontario Medical Association has looked at the billing data in Ontario. There's also been the U15 report, which shows that there's a disparity in some of the senior leadership and pay gap with various universities. And obviously, McMaster is not immune to that. And so we thought, I think now is the time for us to create spaces because these spaces may not have ever really existed, but that now that everyone's more digitally comfortable, maybe we could bring people together in a different format. And so, yeah, welcome to all of you for listening in. We're going to be pivoting over to hear a little bit of the keynote that Rebecca Ripa had actually been brought in by Sarah. So maybe Sarah, can you introduce who Rebecca is so that the listeners will be able to understand a little bit of the context from which she's speaking? So Rebecca Ripa, she is currently the EVP of uh, clinical services over at University Health Network in Toronto. She recently moved into that role after a very long career in Hamilton within several leadership positions at St. Joe's Healthcare Hamilton, as well as Hamilton Health Sciences. And Rebecca is someone that I've known for a couple of years now. She was introduced to me by some individuals at the university as an individual who's really, really worth getting to know. And after I met Rebecca for the first time and in conversations with her ever since that moment, it's been quite clear that Rebecca is a sponsor of emerging leaders. She is a supporter of women getting into 
increasingly higher up leadership positions. Speaking with some of the individuals who are here tonight, it's clear that folks who work with Rebecca have the exact same feeling. Rebecca is someone who creates a psychological safety in the workplace. She is someone who is very much admired by everyone she works with, and she's someone who delivers on results. And so it's been a pleasure to have her as part of this first chat and very fitting for her to continue being part of these conversations. And I think she's a key example of someone who's able to support other women. And so we brought her in to talk specifically around the idea of mentorship and sponsorship. And we actually had brought together some resources that she will kind of hint at, and we'll put those in the show notes. But really, we pointed towards a Harvard Business Review article and another report that kind of really highlighted the differences between sponsorship, mentorship, and where the continuum is along someone's career. So listen into what Rebecca has to say. Thank you, Sarah and Teresa, for organizing this. These are two women who have an incredible amount of energy. And actually, when I saw the series and they asked me to participate, it was just so right on point in terms of what I think so many of us have experienced in our career and continue to experience as leaders. And so I'm like, so happy to do it. And when I look at who's on the screen, I recognize so many of the names and it feels a little bit like a friendly chat tonight. So I want to start by thanking everyone for taking the time. I wanted to start off and show you a little bit around roles and talk about sponsorship, because I have to tell you, there isn't a single role that I have had that I didn't get because I had a sponsor. And I want to say there's one missing from there. I can't believe I can't find it. And now I'm obsessive because there, I had decided I was going to collect these my whole career. And sadly, you can tell the ones that are from the 80s and the ones that are from the 90s, you know, big hair was in for sure. But I think of the 10 that are should be there, seven of them I was sponsored by men and three I was sponsored by women. And I can tell you in each one of those, how those came to be. And I would say in each one of those, I have always said success in moving to whatever role or level that was in the organization was based on three things. One was, did I have the skill and ability or the credentials to do the job? So that's a given in terms of, you know, you would need that, obviously. But the second one was around being in the right place at the right time, luck. You know, you just happen to be there when the role is necessary and the collision of those two opportunities come together. And then the third thing I would say, it's being able to recognize that it's the right one. Because there are lots of opportunities around us all the time, but thinking about how to do that and using the networks and the sponsorship and the mentorship and all the things we're going to talk about to help you decide whether it's the right one. But the article from the Harvard Business Review was so telling for me because 100% sponsorship was absolutely a keystone in being able to get certain roles, all the roles. And then somebody sent me this, which I thought was just so telling as well. So this is an example of surround yourself with women who would mention your name in a room full of opportunities. And there was another one in here that I was going to share. I took it out because I'm, I didn't want to have a lot of slides, but you know, we have a role and responsibility to support each other. We have so many opportunities as women and the women who went before us to make sure we had those opportunities. So it's so important that we support each other in whatever those are, because we're lucky to have as many as we do. And being able to find those opportunities and being able to help find the right opportunity for the right time in your life is so key. So I think the second takeaway is find your squad, who are your cheerleaders and your supporters. If I go back to the three things that I think were important, a sponsor, 
you know, Locke being able to recognize the opportunity and having the skill and ability, you know, we're great at making sure we're credentialed. And I'll often have the conversation with people where they'll say, maybe I should do my project management certificate, or maybe I should do my, and I think we always are great at credentialing. It's never going to hurt you, but it's not necessarily the thing that's going to move you forward. And on the mentorship side, knowing if the opportunity is right for you really comes down to understanding what your core values are, understanding what your brand is, and all kind of like what you do and what you say and how people feel, like what are you about and really understanding what you bring beyond your skill and ability as a leader knowing who the people who you want to be superheroes with, and then understanding how you're going to network them all together. And in the article, and I'll summarize it at the end, but you know, the takeaway from this one is in that mentorship role, that's where this work is done. The mentorship or the strategizer role where people can help you understand, you know, what's important to you in a work day, who are the kind of people you like to be around. Some of us were chatting before we started tonight on just the whole infrastructure that COVID has now put on us where we don't have those opportunities to connect physically anymore. We don't have the coffee time, the, the ability to go up for dinner. And if you look at how men network, it's very different than the way women network. And it's very different in terms of the amount of time and the kinds of activities they can they can dedicate towards it. So I think this is really, really important work to do, understanding who you are. At the end of the day, I would and you know, I drive to Toronto from Niagara and when I took the job, every single person said to me, oh my gosh, you're going to drive? Do you think you'll live there? And every single time I said, well, you know what? It's an hour drive and it's not, I've, I've got my head around it. The drive's not really a big deal. But really what is the real story is I would rather spend 10 hours a day doing something I love with people who I love to be with and drive two hours a day in a minute if I was making a choice. The drive for me, I use the time. I found a way to be efficient with it. But it is really around being in an organization, an academic organization, and doing the kind of work that I love and working with the kind of people who I'm stimulated to be around. And that, for me, is hands down, I'd rather spend my time if I have to drive to do it. So I would say it's important work and mentorship's a big part of that. So this was in your article. So the mentor provides advice and support or coaching. And that's what I think I was just referring to. The strategizer is the person who helps you in the organization figure out, you know, what are the politics? Who are the power brokers in the organization? You know, where do you want to be? They help you understand it in the context of the environment in which you're working in. Again, an important person, especially when you're new in an organization, it's the, you know, give me the lay of the land and tell me who, who the decision makers are. The connector, and I know we all play this role because I see us doing it, especially in the virtual world all the time, is connecting people for a virtual coffee. Uh, can I connect you on this topic? And making an introduction and something, again, that we're all very comfortable doing. And I would say probably everyone on this call does one, two, and three. The four and five was interesting for me because the opportunity giver is the one that provides the high visibility opportunity. And the advocate is the one that will fight for you when you're not in the room, when the door is shut. And I think those are two key things because this article really got me thinking about the fact that why is it that seven out of 10 of the roles that I've got really came through a sponsor of a male? And what were the opportunities and how, and, and in my role, how am I making sure that I'm the opportunity giver or the advocate? Versus I think what I thought I 
did a lot of was the mentoring and the connector. And so it is fundamentally when, you know, I don't want to take a lot of the time, but I want to talk about the findings, like the findings of that Harvard Business Review were a line versus staff role. So men are more likely to be in line roles throughout their careers. They're more likely to have large budgets and they're more likely to have more direct reports. And so they, by size, they have more visibility in the C-suite. And the article speaks to, and it makes total sense that women ebb and flow between line and staff roles. And quite often the power role is in the line. So when it comes to where are the opportunities for advocacy or for sponsorship, they're in jobs in line roles. In many cases, that's exactly was my experience. I ended up with people who had large line budget roles who were able to find opportunities for me within it. And I often have this conversation about, you know, when you're in a line role, you have people in budget. And when you're in a staff role, you have to be an influencer. So it is much easier to be a sponsor or an advocate when you've got budget to do. And more men are in those roles. Women have fewer interactions with senior leaders outside of their direct management. And again, that comes back to really number one and the kinds of roles that women typically have been in. We tend to prefer, if you look at the second article, we tend to prefer to be in roles where we're an educator, where we're a mentor and less in sort of some of those higher, what's perceived and discussed in the article, some of those power broker roles. And this is kind of key. Women tend to be over-mentored and under-sponsored. For whatever reason, I don't know that, A, we even understood the role of or how to use your network around you to help you be sponsored more. So I hope we can talk about that a bit. And sponsors should be the most powerful person who knows you and your skill set. And so when you think about that, identifying those people and then finding a way to create your brand or demonstrate your skill set is kind of the work that we have to do to make it easier for the sponsor to find those opportunities. And that women who are mentored by men make more money and get more promotions, have better career outcomes. And it's not because men are better sponsors. It's because traditionally and historically, men have been more in power in the workforce. And so when we talk about sort of multiple things around women in leadership roles and getting more women on boards and being able to promote women in positions of power... I had some sense of, you know, you don't want to get the job because you're the woman, but having the job allows you then to have and make room for more women to grow in those roles. So I wanted to talk about the three T's that they said, table, titles, and total comp. You know, as a sponsor or an advocate, here are three things that I think are really easy to do and maybe for discussion. Getting people to the table, you know, having visibility at the C-suite, having visibility around your skill and ability and letting you start to create your brand, getting you to the table. You know, this is easy and cheap to do. And why we wouldn't open that up to people to be able to come to the tables and ask them, you know, what would you like to learn about? Where would be a good opportunity for you to hone your skills? What kind of position would you like? I think these are great ways as well to let junior people in the organization help set agendas, help do minutes, help pull packages together, all the things that help them engage in the work a little bit. And that's an area that I think we all can do. Titles. It seems like private sector's got their head around titles a lot better than public sector. 
we don't necessarily give freely some of the titles that would allow people to have that position power to feel that they would be able to negotiate. Somehow we hold that back a bit. You see it much more in the private sector. There's lots of VPs of smaller divisions and we would all look at them and say, wow, I have like a way bigger portfolio. But they've recognized that that title allows them to get through doors that they might not otherwise get through. And then the last, I would say total comp. So again, ensuring that there's equity in total comp for roles of the same responsibility, women or not, junior or not, total comp is a way that we can ensure that we are showing equity and transparency in the workplace that's helping to promote an equity amongst men and women. And so I think those are three easy ways. Well, not easy ways, but there's three ways as leaders that we can engage in some of the sponsorship if we don't have big portfolios to be able to actually provide advocacy or jobs. So I know we're going to break out into the breakout rooms and that's where kind of, I think all of the pearls of wisdom will be. But I think some questions that came to mind were, you know, what type of roles have you played for others? And can you identify your sponsor, mentors or allies in your life? Is there a story you could tell about where you really were at your very best in terms of being able to play that role for someone? And what types of supports are you wanting to further nurture as part of your career development? What do you need to find your sponsor? And how do we find these supports within and outside of our existing networks? Just want to comment on that one. And what commitments are you making for yourself to advance your role? And I think when I look at number four about the existing networks, so this is an opportunity to build a network. But the easiest network to do, it's like shooting fish in the barrel, is where you went to school. It's an easy first connection that, quite frankly, will get you probably a phone call. I had a colleague who shared with me around how she reached out on LinkedIn in the early, early days before LinkedIn was really a tool. And instead of looking particularly for a job, she picked 10 sponsors who she thought would be people she would want to work with. She sent them 10 messages on LinkedIn. She asked them if they would just have a conversation with her on the phone. Nine out of 10 said yes. I think those networks are there. And I know some people feel like they're probably broaching on boundaries that they shouldn't. But for the most part, I would say most people won't say no to you. And so I would encourage you to look for those opportunities to look for your sponsor. Wow. Okay. That was a really good overview of mentorship and sponsorship, Sarah. What do you think? I think it was incredible. It was incredible to hear Rebecca's thoughts on the matter, kind of hear about how she's consistently had male and female sponsors that help propel her throughout her career. And it's quite clear based on the breakout rooms that we had also that participants really have experienced a lot of mentorship and sponsorship on their own. Uh, But something that was really coming up again and again in the conversations seemed to be this feeling of needing to give back, of being very grateful for all the support that we've received. But now it's time to give back. It's time to be the sponsor be the mentor that we want others to be. And by doing so, creating more of a psychologically safe environment for new emerging leaders to flourish and for others to be part of a a community. We work for so many hours during the day and it's only natural that we want to be part of an environment that we love to be in. And I think that that's a strong theme in some of the reflections that everyone gave around amplification. The idea of being able to pay it forward comes up and the idea that maybe you want to do unto others as others have done unto you. If you have had the benefit of someone who's a great mentor or sponsor, 
is to take that phenotype, take what they did, and then see what you can do to help someone else along the way. And so it might be that if you're a teacher, it might be, you know, opening the door for a student to think about themselves in a different way, to nudge them towards greater things than you had necessarily had for yourself. It might be putting someone up for an award because someone else has nominated you in the previous setting for something and you've won it. Now is your chance to think about, okay, so I got this award. Who can I nominate for my circle? Because now you can probably even get those crib notes, those previous award nominations for yourself. So you can work off of it and actually then nominate someone else in your circle. I think it's about also thinking about how if you are a researcher, paying it forward in your research labs and making sure that you maybe provide that wisdom and support for others who may not benefit from the same kind of rich environment you've had. And I think the other part of it too is just opening doors for people. Rebecca does talk about that idea of a connector. And it's not the same thing as a mentor or a sponsor, but if you're a peer, you can be a connector. Because sometimes someone just needs to know someone else. And Rebecca was kind of reflecting. She's like, oh, all of us do this. But I think that she probably comes at it from the vantage point that everyone does it. But I think she just does it so naturally. She thinks everyone else does it. But for some of us, that's not an easy task. And if you're not that extroverted, sometimes it can be hard to overcome that kind of momentum of being shy and putting your head down. And so what I would suggest is, you know, it takes that little baby step to say, when you overhear someone needing help, and you know, someone that could help them offer to make that connection, even if it's a I call it an introduction right now, because the idea is that you can just email, you know, both them and say, hey, you two need to know each other, right? So if Sarah didn't know Rebecca, I'd be like, Sarah, Rebecca, you guys need to know each other. Okay, peace out. Bye. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be a big like huge email, it can literally be a, I think you are both awesome and you both should know each other, discuss. And then people often share. So I I think that these are some strategies that people can use at any scale to be a sponsor or a mentor or connector or someone to someone else and helpful. Absolutely. And uh, one of the things that also came out, and I think it's important to mention that individuals can be mentors and sponsors, sometimes regardless of the level that they're Mm -hmm. currently at. So if someone can be a mentor, even if they are at the same level within the organization as you, they don't provide a different perspective, a different set of experiences that they've been through. And so just remember that mentorship happens in in all sorts of directions. You don't always have to be looking for someone who's a couple levels up from you in the organization. And sometimes they don't even come from the organization that you're currently a part of. So make sure that you're always looking forward Make sure you're always looking for individuals to connect with. You never know when your next sponsor or mentor will come into your sphere of awareness. But you also have to be open to trying new things. And so I think hopefully chat is a way for people to connect and hopefully feel psychologically safe because you're usually in a Zoom with only three or four other people. And I do think that sometimes it can be the start to something. Some of the best collaborations I've had have started off as some chance encounter, but then later on become something that you can leverage and go back to one of my most prolific co-authors, and to be honest, a sponsor is on right, is someone that I had dinner with once at a conference because his program director was like, you two should know each other. And I was like, okay. And so I was like, free dinner, done, I'm coming. And then it wasn't until three or four years later that we ended up sitting next to each other and having the conversation that would then propel us into a research relationship dozens of papers later. He is still someone that I, on the regular, text and contact and lean on for support and sponsorship. 
So shout out to Brent Toma because he knows him. He, I'm talking about him, but the idea would be that there are some great people out there that if you reach out, you can definitely put yourself in a new circle so that you can engage in new ways. And I do think that there's, uh, you know, like we had a wide range of people, people who oh, yeah. are very senior and very junior. And I will point out that some of the more junior folks are pointing out that they'd like to step up. So one of my junior colleagues, who's a medical student, Parnian, Pardis, had said that she's going to take home that she needs to be keen and enthusiastic mentee, which she already is. And I know that for a fact. But the idea would be if you want that longitudinal mentorship, you have to meet your mentor halfway. And I think that's a really good insight for someone on the other side of mentorship is that you can't make your mentor do all the work. And if you can be an easy mentee to work with, then it's easy for you to get the mentorship and the sponsorship that you need, right? If your mentor has to chase you around for meetings, especially in those formal mentorship opportunities, like when they're, you know, actually your supervisor or actually an assigned mentor, sometimes I have had the experience where the mentee is kind of checked out and it can be really hard on the mentor to try and make the time because they're already volunteering their time. And if you don't meet them halfway, it can be frustrating and they, they might they might just find that that's not working for them, right? And it's a two-way street. You don't always have the chance to, how do you say, break up with your mentor in the formal senses sometimes, but sometimes the relationship might not be working. And so that's also good to think about and acknowledge when some of those mentorship opportunities don't seem to be working. We're not alone, right? A lot of us are looking for very similar types of supports, and it's important to keep the the road open, the conversation open, and and always be willing to engage in that that energy exchange. I think at the end of the day, it's an energy exchange that we're going after. And that's a really good way to put it. Thank you, Sarah. The other thing that I think one of the attendees, Anita, kind of pointed out is that it's important to speak up so that people who sponsor you can do the right thing for you, and that the roles you want to be sponsored for. They need to align with their personal professional goals, but that sometimes you might need to nudge your squad, your sponsors, your mentors, your allies to help you. They might not know that you want something and they may not know that you need something. And so I think that asking for that help, it can be paralyzing to think that you actually have to voice that you want to be nominated for an award or it may seem taboo to do some of that kind of stuff and say will you sponsor me to run for this kind of uh, position etc etc but I do think that it's important that if you want something it's about communicating to your your team and in that way they can then galvanize themselves around you and and help you out and if you don't get the position then they're also a great support to help you find your resilience again because if you didn't get it then you also know that at least some people got your back and that you can go on to something else another time right is there anything else that you wanted to add sarah i'm just thrilled with how this first chat discussion actually went we have representation not just from academia from from industry from healthcare and it's been an amazing start to i think something that really will create connections that are long-lasting way beyond just this conversation And so what I would probably suggest is that if anyone has a different topic they'd like us to, you know, band around and create a chat series around, we're open for suggestions and you can just reach out to us at macpfd at mcmaster.ca and we can kind of think about another topic that might need this kind of connection. I can think of other domains where, you know, leaders might want to do this or might be parents might want to do this in the age of COVID 
there might be other groups that want to have these kind of chats and it could be one session, it could be multiple. So reach out to Sarah and I and we can point you in the right direction, give you the playbook. Maybe you can just run it yourself and we'll be there in the wings and participating. So there's lots of different ways to do it. But I think that these are the kind of connection activities that we need to try to foster because I think right now, especially in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, we've lost a lot of the opportunities to do this. Maybe some of us never did have these opportunities because of cultural barriers, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that this is a way for us to move forward. So thanks so much for tuning in to this episode and on to the next thing. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Mac PFD Spark podcast. Just so you know, this podcast has been brought to you by the McMaster Faculty of Health Sciences and specifically the Office of Continuing Professional Development and the Program for Faculty Development. If you're interested in finding out more about what we can offer for faculty development, check out our website at www.macpfd.ca. That's www.macpfd.ca. Many of our events are actually web events that are free. Finally, I'd like to thank our sound engineer, Mr. Nick Hoskin, who has been an amazing asset to our team. Thanks so much, Nick, for all that you do. And also thank you to Scott Holmes for supplying us the music that you've been listening to. All right, so until next time, this is Mac PFD Spark signing off.